You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. For from it spring the issues of life. Guard your heart, for from it spring the issues of life. If I have the word of God hidden in my heart, not in my head, if I have it hidden in my heart, Psalm 119, it has a much stronger impact in my life, and I'm able to create the world around me by living from that thing that he's given me. But how are you going to get it if you're not listening? How are you going to get it if you're not in a place where you're positioning yourself to grab it? Listen, I am absolutely convinced depression could be killed. Depression could be killed if we would simply get in the word and start allowing the word to speak to us. And when you get something, when you find something there and you're hiding it in your heart and you're, you're over and over, a thousand times, a thousand times, you're just saying it over and over again. What are you doing? You're realigning. You're saying, I'm choosing to think like heaven thinks, not like earth thinks. Come on, if we're being honest, how's it working for us doing it the way we've been doing it? If we're going to do an honest assessment, do a, what do they call a 360 in the business world. If you want to really do an honest assessment, take a look at it and see how well are we doing. I hope that, this is not too harsh, is it? I, I, I do mean to kind of come along, kick, kick you in the backside just a little bit. I, I do want to do that. I want to be nice about it. But come on, church, if we're being honest... Coming to church on Sunday morning is not going to transform your life. Any more than living in a garage is going to turn you into a car. I am not responsible for your spiritual growth. Mm -mm. I know, I know, right? How many times have we heard it? Oh, I'm just not getting fed at that church. I hate it when people say that. I'm like, it's not the pastor's job to feed you. It's not the pastor's job to feed you. Psalm 23, one of the best pastoral passages there is, says he leads me by still waters. In other words, he takes you to a place where you can eat, but you got to do it on your own. I can show you where the food is. I can show you his hands right here. Put your head in the trough. There's that Texas coming out again. I just... Why is that important? Why is it important to get ourselves into the Word, to allow times of solitude? I'm not talking about isolation. I'm talking about solitude. Allow times of solitude where you're just saying, everything's shut out. I need Holy Spirit to speak to me. Because it's one thing to hold on to a promise. It's another thing to have the promise hold on to you. His strength is greater than mine, right? It's God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If I just hold on to a promise, then it's up to my own will and my own stamina in order to keep it. But when the promise holds on to me, it's completely different. I've got a promise. I've got promises. They hold on to me. They keep me anchored, and I keep coming back to them. When I find myself drifting, what do I, drifting, what do, I do? I come back to the promise. I'm holding on to that promise. Even when it doesn't feel like it. I know I have a call on my life. Everybody in here has got a call on their life. Your destiny is the most important thing if you could find that. Your destiny in Jesus is the most important thing if you can find it. I've got a call on my life as an apostolic leader to change cultures. How are you going to do it? I don't know. I don't know. I know there are times where I absolutely do not feel like an apostolic leader who's going to change cultures. But I have to come back to it and go, wait, that promise is holding on to me. That promise is holding me. I'm not holding on to that promise and trying to will myself into it. That promise is holding on to me, and I don't want to miss it. I had a dream the other night. It was really strange. It was a little bit violent in some respects, but I think it was just somehow, sometimes God speaks to me that way. It wasn't one of those scary, violent dreams. It was just a violent dream. 
kingdom of heaven suffers violent, violent taken by force, right? There is violence in the kingdom, but it has to do towards the things that, do, the things that hinder us from a love encounter with God. That's where the violence is directed. And I won't go into the details of the dream, but I found myself, in essence, I had checked out of life early. I had checked out of life early, and I found myself standing before God. And the first thing I experienced, it was like I woke up, and I'm standing in heaven, and there's Jesus, and his arms are open. And he looks at me, and he goes, Andrew, let me show you what you missed. It was moving. What he did, what he, what he did was he showed me my destiny. And I saw it very, very clearly. And because I had checked out early, I didn't get to do it. But he showed it to me, and everything inside of me was like, God, what did I do? What did I do? Why did I miss out on this? I was talking to someone this week, a little bit older, and they said to me, yeah, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come. Just waiting for Jesus to come. And this is after I had that dream, and I'm like, no, 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 don't think like that. Don't think like that. You have way. Age does not determine your boundaries in the kingdom. It has, it has no bearing on your boundaries. There is so much more destiny for us all. To, are you guys helping with me this morning? There's, I, these are anchors. These are things that I hold on to. These are the things that are like, if I'm going to find this place of strength in my life and stamina in my life to keep going and not get pulled to and fro from all the little things that pull at me, then this is where it's going to come from right here. Coming back to worship, coming back to yieldedness, holding on to those promises or having those promises hold on to me. I, I can feel it even sometimes when I walk in this room. I know how this works. The enemy lies to every person in this room. Every person in this room. What's scary is when we don't recognize it. A number of years ago, I was in a situation where I saw demonic manifestation. And I don't know why, that used to freak me out when I was a kid. I mean, things were moving in the room. It was pretty, pretty hardcore demonic manifestation stuff going on. And I remember somebody saying to me that was with me in that thing, they, they were kind of freaked out by it. And I'm like, that doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't mind demonic manifestations when I see them. Chairs move, things like that. That stuff does not bother me. What bothers me the most are the ones that I can't see. What bothers me the most are the ones that I can't hear. Those are low-level demonic. Does this help this morning? That's low-level demonic manifestation. If it's moving things around a room and things are flying through the air and you're seeing it, and it's not like you have faith to see it kind of thing. You're seeing things fly through the air. I, I'm not trying to bring glory to this. I'm just simply trying to set it straight here. Those are the things that are like, that's low-level demonic activity right there. It's the ones I can't see. It's the ones I can't hear. It's the ones that are operating as my own thoughts inside. Everybody in the room gets lied to. Religion is probably one of the most primary tools he uses. Self-help, willing yourself into something. You can do it, just do it better. Mm, yeah, I don't know if that's ever really worked. I think he does this because he wants us to stay aware of our past. This is where I've been living lately. The, the wrestle that I'm having, it's living so much more in awareness of my past than I am in my, of my destiny and my future. And I think that's what the demonic does. He wants to come in and keep reminding us of our past. Now, he won't come to you and point it out. Jay, I'm going to use you for an example here. He won't come to you and say, Jay, you need to look at your past right here. It's going to come to you and sound more like this. Look what I did in my past. It's first person. Look what I did in my past. Oh, man, I've really hurt some things. I've really hurt some people. I've really jacked some things up here. Be careful. Be careful with that kind of thinking. Because the devil wants to keep you thinking like that 
all in the name of humility. It's not humility, guys. It's stupidity. It's not humility. It's stupidity. To visit my past outside of the presence of Jesus is illegal and immoral to do. Can I take it even a step further? Jesus says, or the, the word says, he said, I will remove their sins as far as the east is from the west, and I will remember them no more. So if I'm going back and spending my time remembering them, and it's not bringing life to me because I'm doing it the wrong way, you're still with me, right? Then I'm actually going back to a reality that doesn't exist anymore. Because he says, I remember them no more. I remove them as far as the east is from the west. God, I'm hoping this is helping somebody this morning. I'm removing them. When we go back and visit those things outside of Jesus, we're, visit, we're fantasy land. We're back in fantasy land again. It's almost like Jesus, I feel like sometimes he's standing there with us and we're going back to visiting something in our past that has nothing to do with our destiny and what God wants to bring us into. We think that it's God taking there. It's actually a demonic manifestation in our mind working, taking us back there. And Jesus is going, what are you doing? Where are you? Why are you there? Why are you there? You see how much time you're wasting? He wants to call it humility when I really think it's shame. Shame's not your friend. It's not there to keep you humble. Can we just be clear? Shame is demonic at its core. It's absolutely demonic at its core. I, I know this. I feel it. I feel it all the time. I don't even know that I knew. I'm starting to realize how much shame I carry around in my life. And I think the body of Christ does. We carry so much shame in our life, and that's the very thing that keeps us from our destiny. We keep coming back to it. We think, oh, it's a humble thing. I can't do that. Well, you know, I, because I've done this and that, you know, I can't move on into this destiny. You know, what if, what if somebody starts to bring that up again? What if somebody says, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I'm discovering. I'm coming back to a place I discovered in 99. I could have the IRS show up at my door. I could have the police show up at my door and say, I need to talk to you about something. And I'd be like, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, would that scare us a little bit? Police knock on your door, say, hey, we need to, uh, we need to question you about something. <laughs> when we start to learn to live with those anchors that are deep inside with that clean, where there's no handles inside of us, it becomes something completely different. It's like, you want to talk to me? Sure, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> open door, come on in. Talk about whatever you want. I like that feeling. I like that feeling. I like that. I don't like it when shame gets a hold of me and starts to speak to me. And would, I mean, if I were to call you as a pastor of the church, just call you one day out of the blue and say, hey, man, listen, you and I need to get together. We need to have a talk. <laughs> Somebody's going, done that. <laughs> what, does that what does that evoke inside of you? Right? But where does that stuff come from, guys? Where does that stuff come from? It comes from, it comes from residue. It comes from things that are still holding on, things that we're believing because we got demonic talk back going on. Mm. Shame's not your friend. It's not helpful. It's not there to keep you humble. Mm. The blood of Jesus, we were singing about it this morning. It's beautiful. The blood of Jesus 
There's power in the blood. In an old covenant, the blood covered sin. In a new covenant, the blood cleanses it. There's a difference. In the old covenant, I, I don't like it when new covenant believers say to me, I'm covered by the blood. Well, aim higher, bro. <laughs> aim higher. I'm covered by the blood. No, you're not. You're actually cleansed by the blood. If you cover something up, that means it still exists. It's an entirely different thing to understand what new covenant realities are when it comes to the blood. You're not covered by the blood, people. You're cleansed. You're cleansed. Your, your history of mess up and of sin and stuff is gone. It's absolutely cleansed. I don't think we understand how new new really is. It's so new. It's not just you went through the car wash and it cleaned up your old dirty self. You're absolutely new. You went through the car wash and you came out with a brand new car. Blood not only destroys sin, are you ready? It destroys the record of it. I know this to be true. I, I, I've been spending time reading. Recently, I jumped over into Hebrews just to get whacked by that book just a little bit. And you get into Hebrews chapter 11, and it's what's called the Hall of Faith. It talks about Abraham, you know, and his faith, and Isaac, and it gets down to Sarah, it gets to Gideon. I mean, Gideon's listed in there. I mean, of all people, it says he was known as a man of faith. These people, I mean, he... The book goes in and says, I can't even name all the people, but he starts naming a few, and he gets to Gideon, and I'm like going, wait a minute. I've read Judges chapter 6. That is not how that story went. Gideon was not a man of faith. Gideon was the most unfaithless or faithless man. The angel of the Lord appears to him. He makes a sacrifice for him. He takes a staff. <laughs> sacrifice is gone right there, and he's going, well, I need another sign. I tell you what, I'm going to put a fleece out. Even though that food just went and got sucked up right there, I need another sign here. God, I'm going to put a fleece out, and if in the morning the fleece is dry and the ground is wet, then I'll know that it's you. <laughs> Happens. Okay, I'm going to turn it around. I'm gonna, now I want this. But you get to the book of Hebrews, and it says he was a great man of faith. It's true. Get, look at Sarah. Because of faith that she conceived. No, she laughed at God. But the story is not in there. Why is it not in the book of Hebrews? Because God does not keep a record of wrongs. All he remembers is what's done in faith. He says that. I keep no record of wrongs. We're the ones who do it. Have you ever wondered? Just read Hebrews 11. You're like, nope, that didn't happen that way. Nope. That but, but from God's account, he's going, no, that's how it happened. Because he only remembers what's done in repentance. He only remembers what's done in repentance. I'm hoping I'm injecting some life into you this morning. I'm going to give you a couple of things here. Hopefully this will help you, all right? Because I want to try to give you some takeaways. I don't want to just talk about this. Number one, here's some things that might help, all right? How to surrender and find a place of strength. Let's start with this one right here. Grow in affection for Jesus and stop evaluating yourself. End of story. I wish I had a mic to drop. <laughs> Grow in affection for Jesus and stop evaluating yourself. 
I know, Andrew, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I know that, but it's so that the surpassing glory of God could be seen. Finish the verse. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why do we keep focusing on the earthen vessel? I'm more interested in the treasure that I've got inside of me. Everybody's an earthen vessel, but my treasure's unique. I got the manifestation of the Godhead living inside of me. That's what I want people to see. But Andrew, you're broken. Yeah, I know that. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it great? But there's so much things where you've messed up and you've gotten things. I know it. Isn't it awesome? I can say that it's awesome because I'm looking at it from God's perspective. And I'm saying he doesn't remember that. He knows the stuff that happened there. But what he sees, I believe this. When he looks at my past, he looks at it with incredible compassion. Yeah, Andrew, that stuff was wrong. That stuff was wrong. Yeah, that stuff was wrong. The stuff that happened to you, that stuff that you did, all that stuff, that was wrong. But you know what? It doesn't define who you are. As a matter of fact, watch what I can do with that. Watch how I'm going to make you so relatable to people who have been through similar things. Watch how I can make you connect with people in such a way that you would never be able to connect before because you can experience and you know exactly what that's like right there. Come on. All things work together for good, right? For those who love that, that intimates in the passage itself. When it says all things work together for good, that intimates that not everything is going to go well. It's written into it. <laughs> In between the lines. Not everything is going to go well, but I promise you, all things will work together for good for those who love him and who call according to his purposes. When I focus myself on that thing right there, all of a sudden, now I have the ability to impart good to somebody else. Grow in our affection for Jesus and stop evaluating ourselves. If you're constantly evaluating yourself, you're not going to ever feel qualified for friendship with God. You, you will live in an awareness of what isn't right and what doesn't work. And constant evaluation leads to disqualifying ourselves. Number two, you ready for another one? Be more impressed with his significance than your insignificance. Come on, on, there's some stank on that one. Be more impressed with his significance than your insignificance. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Mm-hmm. If I'm not growing in my awareness of Christ in me, then I will never get my mind into a place of strength. I will never get my heart into a place where there's deep anchors. I'll never have his words to hold on to. The deeper we go with God, the more we need our minds transformed. Church, this isn't a one-time event. It's an ongoing way of life, of growth and maturity, of coming back, allowing time. I I don't know where to do or how to do anything else right now. I know I keep coming back to this, and I may sound like a broken record, but I am really challenging you, calling you, exhorting you. Can you feel the palm of my hand and the small of your back right now pushing you along? Get in the word. Wow. If you got five minutes, get five minutes to it. I don't know how to communicate what it's doing inside of me. At the same time, I don't want to do this trip alone. I want to know. I want to know people who are coming around me. I want to hear testimonies of people saying, here's what I heard from God. Yes, hold on to that. I'm getting things from God I'm never going to preach. They're mine. 
If you want things like that, you go get it. Don't expect me to be intimate for you. There's a word for that in there when you pay when you pay someone to be intimate with. Mm, okay, I'll leave that one there. <laughs> I'm enjoying this fact right here that if I live in a renewed mind, if I live re- redemptively, if I let my thoughts focus on the things that God is thinking, if I live in a place of redemption, then I start to line up with what God already says, and I'm finding it beginning to manifest in my own life out of strength. It's, it's part of God's plan. Everything he does when he redeems, he makes it way better than what it was before. Job, all taken away, gets double restored, right? There's a story in that. There's a picture in that for us. Solomon's temple, when it gets destroyed, it gets rebuilt twice as elaborate as it was before. It's part of God's economy. How many in here would say, I've either self-inflicted, hurt myself, or things have been done to me that have really hurt? And we're going to be honest. Okay, now, I want you to take those things, and I want you to recognize how bad they are. And if you really feel how bad they are, the things you've done or things that have been happening to you, just hold on to this thought for a moment. That what God wants to do with that is double it on the other side and make it twice as good. Whatever pain and hurt that you think you have felt, think about the joy that is beyond that. It sounds like Jesus, though, doesn't it? Who for the, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Because what he saw himself receiving in the future was way, way, way better than what he was walking through in the moment. Hmm. The only way the enemy can enter our lives, I'm going to end with this. The only way the enemy can enter our lives, church, is through agreement. I I really am so convinced of that. That God has hidden us out of touch, not out of view from Satan. He's hidden us out of touch. I know that because John tells me that. The evil one cannot touch you. And John tells me that. But he can see me. He can taunt me. He can throw things towards me. He can throw ideas and thoughts. He can run past me with certain things trying to get my attention. But if I don't give him that attention, then I don't come into agreement with him. And if I don't come into agreement with him, then I'm way stronger. But I've got to have something. It's, it's the, the old campaign, remember years ago, just say no? It doesn't work. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. Because people don't need to be more aware of what to say no to. They need to be more aware of what to say yes to. And my destiny is where I'm saying yes to. Now I've got something to hold on to. Otherwise, I'm fighting this battle where I never gain any ground. No, 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 no. And we stay in one place thinking we're winning, and all we're doing is fighting these battles, shadow boxing. But when you have something that's the yes, and you hold on to it, now you've got something where you can move forward to into your future. It's, but, it, but it only comes, these things only come, church. It only, I cannot stress this enough. It does not come from somebody trying to speak it to you. It comes from what you own, what you own yourself, what you own yourself.
And if you think your life is really that bad and things have been that bad, find somebody who's had it worse. I'm sure you're sure you're able to find somebody who's had it worse than you. Oh, Jesus. Everybody stand up here. Yeah. Hmm. You know what I'm keeping my eyes on right now? I'm watching for something. I'm watching for my overflow. I'm, I'm holding on to that. I'm looking and I'm, and I'm recognizing. I don't want to just fill myself just to get myself filled and just my needs and that kind of thing. I'm looking for overflow in my own life. I'm looking for it going, God, where am I walking around? And I'm overflowing. I'm absolutely just overflowing because I'm, I'm sold out. I've got anchors that are holding me solid. Things aren't pushing me to and fro. And I'm so filled with you that everywhere I go, I'm just overflowing. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm finding it happen in a few places. But I want more of that. But that's what I'm designed for. start establishing anchors inside of your heart. Yes, yes. And that restoration and redemption will come so that you would get twice of what you had before. That your calling, that your destiny has not been denied. It's just been delayed. But it has not been denied. there's something else just on relationships in general just being broken that I feel like God's restoring and I don't know what that looks like I don't have a plan I don't see that I just feel like God's restoring something so that your testimony is going to be fantastic places of deep heartache and pain that are getting healed. And I feel like he's giving you strategy. Right now you're getting strategy. Listen. That's not your own thoughts right now. You're getting strategy on how to live.
prayer teams go ahead and make your way up here. We've got prophecy that's going to happen this, this morning, but if, if something's happening inside of you and you need somebody just to pray with you before they prophesy over you, have them do it. Don't get out of the room until you've solidified. I really feel like that. There's something, if you really need to take time just to let somebody pray for you for a moment, solidify this thing. If Holy Spirit's been speaking to you at all about anything, take some time to let him solidify. If it's not prayer, stay in your chair, whatever you need to do. But let Holy Spirit solidify it. Let him bring some anchors in. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.